Greetings, I am the mighty Master Voluminous. Teacher, commentator, and most importantly to you, dear listener, storyteller. I do hope you all had a wonderful Halloween. And although Spooktober might be over, the fear factor never ends. Because today, we look at the final story in the sixth chapter horror novella, Pinky. For those of you who are just joining us, Pinky is a collection of stories of women in abusive relationships and dangerous situations being possessed by an evil spirit known as Okupinky. This entity brings nothing but pain and suffering. It is a friend to no one and loves to target women, vulnerable women. We've looked at five. The first was Tando Undelu, whose husband caused her to have a miscarriage. The second was Akona Dala, who spent an entire day being stalked and harassed by her ex-boyfriend. The third was Jordan Forey, who had to be kept in her apartment by her controlling and abusive girlfriend. The fourth was Amanda Smith, who was abusing her husband and stealing it from him. The fifth was Tasha Naidu, who would have been raped by the manager of the building she stays in. Today, we are going to be looking at a younger woman, or a girl, Sophie Fisser. And if you would like to see how each and every one of those other stories ended, I suggest checking out the other episodes on the podcast or purchasing the book on Amazon. On we go. Before we begin reading, I am going to list all the ways in which you may seek more content or an audience with the master. First, check out mortiferousarcadia.blogspot.com. That is our main website. Or send an email to mortiferousarcadia at gmail.com if you wish to express how this story made you feel. Look up Mortiferous Arcadia on Facebook and Wattpad. And finally, search Master Voluminous on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Tumblr, DeviantArt, or Pinterest, and give us a follow. Pinky by Giftinetike is available on Amazon. Now then, on to the story. Sophie Fisser. Blood drips down into the sink. Her arm is shaking. There is the blade of a crafting knife in it, cutting a thin, deep line across. The third one. Her breathing is ragged, her eyes are watery, and her nose is running. She looks up at her reflection and slowly lifts the blade to her neck. 
Her reflection's eyes start glowing a bright pink color. It smiles wide before piercing its her neck and cutting horizontally across. She wakes up screaming and clutching her throat, feeling a faint scar across the same path as her dream just now. The one she's been having over and over. She is startled by a loud knock on the door. It is her father. He demands to know what she is doing. She apologizes. It was a bad dream. He tells her to keep it down and goes back to his room. After telling her to unlock her door, she reluctantly gets up and unlocks it, then goes back to bed, spending the rest of her night with her eyes wide open. The morning comes, and she immediately heads downstairs to make him breakfast and coffee. She plates the food, puts it on a tray with some coffee, and goes back upstairs to his room and knocks on the door. He tells her to come in, and she does. She hands the food over to him and steps back, rubbing over the scars on her arm while he takes a bite. He frowns for a moment. Her heart rate rises, and she scratches the scars. He swallows it reluctantly, calming her down. He takes a sip of the coffee and immediately spits it out. You still can't cook? Your mother's been gone for months and you still can't cook. He tells her to clean the coffee stain and get out. She takes the food and goes back to the kitchen, sobbing as she tosses it all in the trash. The memory of waking up to her mother being gone moves her to the drawer in which she finds the craft knife, the one from her dream. The one she always uses to make it go away. She reaches for it. Fingers and nails slowly increase in length and she pulls it back. Her hand returns to normal. She stares at it, then looks down at the door drawer and shuts it, before quickly backing away and running upstairs to the bathroom. She showers quickly and gets dressed for school, not bothering to eat or to speak to her father before leaving. She sits in the very back of her large classrooms, unseen and unheard for most of the day. A test is handed out by a teacher. Her heart rate rises again, her hands move to her scars, but she remembers the drawer and stops herself. At each question, her mind is blank. Her hand shakes when she writes, making the letters on the page illegible. An hour passes, and the teacher begins to collect the tests. She is less than halfway done with her test, but hands it in anyway. The teacher notices the scars on her arm and continues collecting papers. When all of them have been corrected, she slips out through the crowd before the teacher can call her back. When the school day is concluded, she makes her way home making sure to take the empty back road in order to be left alone. She checks the mailbox, finding envelopes and a package addressed to her, then heads inside the house and up to her room after placing the envelopes on the kitchen counter, taking care not to look at the drawer. She lies in her bed and opens the package, along with a smooth 
black case, she finds a letter. She recognizes the handwriter, handwriting. This is from her mother. It is an apology for leaving her behind. The amulet is supposed to protect her from him. She looks in the case and sees a pink eye staring at her. Her father's car arrives. He angrily calls her name. She does not respond, so he marches up the stairs, yelling her name. There is still no response, so he bangs on her door. Still nothing. He opens the door and she leaps out at him, screeching. He jumps back and sees what she has become. Her head is larger, so are her eyes and mouth. Her face is round and flat. Her fingers are long, with equally long pink claws protruding from each. The medallion she is wearing is glowing. She smiles, showing big white teeth as she closes in on him. He backs away past the bathroom door, which is open. She moves in for the kill, but sees herself in the corner of her eye. Her father runs down the stairs while she walks closer to the mirror, slowly extending a hand to touch it. She touches her face, feeling the claws on her cheek. She sees the scars on her arms become wounds again, slowly dripping blood. Tears stream from her eyes as she shakes her head. She tries to grab the medallion, but it sticks to her chest. She tries using her claws to dig under it to no avail. Her reflection wags a finger, her finger. She grabs both sides of the mirror and rips it off the wall, smashing it against another, before running downstairs to the kitchen. Her father stabs her in the back with a knife. She turns her head all the way around to look at him, then down at the knife, then back at him, pulling it out and dropping it with difficulty. With even greater difficulty, she tells him to leave. Her legs suddenly feel stiff and heavy as she walks over to the drawer to get the craft knife, to make it go away. Her claws dig into the countertop, stopping her from reaching the drawer. She grits her teeth and tries to pull her hand away. He stands in the doorway, looking at her and at his car, then walks over to her. She screams, warning him to stay away. He backs away and comes closer in order to help her. With the free hand, she swipes at him, tearing through clothing and skin. The other hand comes off the counter and both move to his face. He grabs both by the wrists, the claws inches from his face and getting closer. Please. She stops. Forgive me. His eyes are full of tears as he sees the open wounds on her arms, the scar on her neck. The glow from the medallion flashes on and off, struggling to stick to her chest. She digs her claws under it and rips it off, tearing off bits of flesh in the process, but tosses it against the wall. Her head and hands return to normal. She falls forward into his arms. He tells her that he loves her. And <laughs> she laughs.
Wow. I have absolutely no idea what to say. That was a very interesting story, huh? And you know what I love about it? What I love about this one? You have absolutely no context as to what he's doing to her. I mean, you probably think it's bad because she's cutting herself, my goodness. She's having dreams of slitting open her own throat. So it must be something really messed up that she would lock her door at night. Although I did not like the whole package from the mother thing. Come on, the best you could come up with. <laughs> oh, well. Oof, and that teacher. If only they'd caught on sooner. Oh, well. Can't win them all. Should probably get a few calls from school, though. And also, the laugh at the end. It wasn't from Pinky. It was from her. <laughs> a great way to end the story. And here's another thing I think you should notice. Another thing. Sophie is the only character in this entire book who manages to fight back against the monster. <laughs> Only after seeing what she's become in the mirror. Which is weird because Tando was sitting in front of the mirror. Oh, but... She went blind. The monster took her sight away so she wouldn't see herself. Nice touch there, nice consistency there, author. <laughs> Amanda was also in front of a mirror. She wasn't looking at it. There's that. <laughs> truly an interesting book. You should definitely, I truly, truly recommend that you look at it on Amazon. It's a quick read. It's, what, 53, 40-something pages, I think. I honestly think you should give it a look. Oh, and in the next episode of Voluminous Reads, we... We'll be going on to another Gift and Yadike story, a much longer one. And the first, in fact, this, this is in fact his debut novel, Batur, Feel Free to Die. <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> also, do be sure to tune in, because we will have an interview with the spirit itself, Uncle Pinky. So keep your eyes open for that one, too. <laughs> Goodbye, my listeners. <laughs>